So let's start with topical retinoids. What's the mechanism of action? It's many fold in acne. It's comedolytic. So it gets rid of the comedones that they already have, but it's also anti-comedogenic. So it stops new ones from happening. So retinoids are the only uh, medications that we have that are preventing the formation of the microcomedo, which is the first lesion that turns into all the lesions after that. It also normalizes epithelial hyperkeratinization and is anti-inflammatory. It's the first line, it's for long-term maintenance. And as far as most of us acne people are concerned, for retinoids, it's birth to death. The effect usually takes a little while. It can sometimes be seen as early as one to three weeks, but you're expecting it out at four to six to eight weeks. And the optimal effect is gonna take up to about 12 weeks to occur. Mm -hmm. This is a problem because they can be drying and irritating. So the patient is going to have a little bit of irritation early on in the treatment phase, and they're not going to be better yet. We call this the crisis of confidence. They look in the mirror, they're no better. And now on top of everything else, they might be a little red and a little scaly and stinging and burning. Thank you very much, doctor, for helping me so much, right? So the educational process is very important here to make sure that they realize that topical irritation may happen in the first week or two, but it's going to go away. And topical retinoids also may help to reduce scarring when used over the long haul. This is a complicated chart, which looks at the topical retinoids that we have available to choose from. Tretinoin being the oldest, dating back to 1971, the year the first email was sent, by the way, adapalene and tazeratine, which came out in 96 and 97, and triferritine, which is the newest kid on the block in 2019. They bind to different receptors uh, within the keratinocytes, and we're not going to get into too much detail here, but we see the triferritine, the fourth generation is very specific for the gamma receptor, which might be the reason why, if you look down one level lower than that, uh, you'll see that triferritine has been manufactured in 0.005% green, probably because it has such high selectivity for the gamma receptor, which is the most common receptor in the skin. We have many formulations of the other products to choose from. We have gels and lotions and creams. In general, creams are more soothing and better tolerated than our lotions, than our gels. But with good formulation, that's not always a true statement. We also have fixed dose combinations that include topical retinoids. We have a 0.1% encapsulated benzoyl peroxide tretinoin combination. And we also, with adapalene, have a combination of 0.1% uh, adapalene and 2.5% benzoyl peroxide, or 0.3% adapalene and 2.5% benzoyl peroxide. Photostability is something that differs between the various medications. Tretinoin is photolabile. So if you put it on and you walk out into the sun, it's going to get inactivated and is not going to be effective. But you can do things to help tretinoin. You can microencapsulate it. You can put it into microspheres. You can micronize it. And that protects it from being uh, gobbled up by the sun. The other ingredients are all, the other uh, 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 active retinoids are all photostable.
Other indications for retinoids include photoaging for tretinoin, psoriasis and photoaging for tazeratine. And the last thing that we need to concern ourselves with, since we're often going to want to use benzoyl peroxide, is that both adapalene and tazeratine are known to be stable with benzoyl peroxide. Tretinoin, unless it's micros microsphered, micronized, or microencapsulated, is not stable along with benzoyl peroxide. So if you want to use them together, you cannot use a generic tretinoin along with benzoyl peroxide. The ability of teriferritine to play well in the sandbox with benzoyl peroxide has not yet been studied. So how are we going to improve this problem with retinoid tolerability? Well, the first thing we can do is to make sure that we're only using a pea size amount. I like to separate my pea between my index finger and my other index finger. So put it on the index finger, split it up, put a little puddle here, a little puddle here, a little puddle there, and then go back and rub the puddles in really well. We are not spot applying two zits. We said before that retinoids work by being anti-comedogenic. So they are going to help to prevent the formation of new pimples. So you don't just want to put it on the zit, you want to put it all over the face. You can start every other day. If your patient is particularly concerned about irritation, you can moisturize regularly, maybe even under the retinoid, put the moisturizer on first, let it dry, and then put on the retinoid. We don't have a lot of data for that in terms of whether or not it reduces efficacy. Uh, so you want to pick a moisturizer, which is not too heavy, right? This is a time to use a, a relatively light lotion. You might consider changing formulations if there's an alternate vehicle, um, if there's a, you know, a cream instead of a gel. Uh, but the most important thing, as far as I'm concerned, frankly, is to go with a branded product that has really good quality vehicles that can reduce irritation and improve efficacy. So we have the micro sponge delivery system that reduced irritation with tretinoin. We have micronization, which reduced irritation with topical tretinoin. We have polymeric emulsion technology uh, that we saw with tretinoin and tazeratine. And we also have the micro encapsulation technology, which we'll talk about a little bit more, which also improved the tolerability of 0.1% tretinoin. The bottom line is to make sure that your patients are persistent. Retinoids need to be part of all regimens, and I don't care how they're using it. They just need to be using it. I ask my patients to make sure that they're being consistently inconsistent. So if they can only use it every three days, that's great. Use it every three days. Don't use it four days in the row, get irritated, and then stop it for two weeks, right? So now let's move on to benzoyl peroxide. Benzoyl peroxide is available as washes, but also as something that you leave on your skin. And it's also available in fixed combinations with retinoids and with clindamycin. The adverse effects of benzoyl peroxide is contact sensitization, which is actually quite uncommon. It's gotten a bad reputation in this regard. It, when your patient comes in and says they're allergic to benzoyl peroxide, they usually have been irritated by benzoyl peroxide in the past using a uh, product with a poor vehicle, for example. It is a concentration-dependent irritant. In general, without something being done to it, the higher the concentration, the more irritating it is. But many of our benzoyl peroxide leave-ons 
have added moisturizers, have microencapsulated, and done all sorts of things to reduce the irritation. It also bleaches fabric. And I love this picture of this woman who's quite unhappy with what her teenager has done to their towels. You want to make sure that they realize that if they put it on their face right before they go to sleep and face plant into a navy blue pillowcase, that it isn't going to be navy blue for long. So benzoyl peroxide really has a dual purpose when we use it for acne. Of course, it treats acne. It kills faster and more effectively than topical antibiotics. And alone, it significantly improves primarily inflammatory, but also to some extent, comedonal acne. It reduces the risk though also of antimicrobial resistance when it's used in combination with either topical or oral antibiotics. It itself is not associated with antimicrobial resistance. And it can actually prevent the development of resistance to topical and oral antibiotics with which it is co-used and can even reverse resistance that has already occurred. This is a study that looked at the development of C. acnes resistance over time with clindamycin as monotherapy in blue and clindamycin plus benzoyl peroxide in orange. So what you see here is over time, the organisms become resistant when they're just using clindamycin alone in blue, especially starting at week 12. Whereas when, when in combination with benzoyl peroxide, no such uh, clindamycin resistance to C. acnes occurs. The other thing we have to recognize is that benzoyl peroxide adherence is not terribly good. We have one study on the left that looked at adherence to over-the-counter benzoyl peroxide purchasing. In this study, 84 patients were told to go ahead and buy benzoyl peroxide at the pharmacy. Two weeks later, they came back. And it turns out that only 30% of patients recalled even being told uh, that this ingredient existed, right? That, that they were supposed to get this. 36% didn't purchase anything at all. And 64% made purchases but only 32% of them contain benzoyl peroxide. So sending your patient to the pharmacy to get benzoyl peroxide to go along with their clindamycin prescription that you've given them, thinking in your head that, okay, you're being a good steward of antibiotics, you're using benzoyl peroxide along with clindamycin, and that's a good thing. Think again, because the patients don't actually do that. Better, in my opinion, that you combine the clindamycin and the benzoyl peroxide in one container to avoid that. Additionally, benzoyl peroxide, probably because of its bleaching effect, uh, doesn't get used very compliantly. We see this on in the study over on the right. It was a computer chip study. It's a MEMS cap so that the, the top of the tube, when the patient actually opens it, actually the, the the cap recognizes that the tube has been opened. Presumably when they open the tube, they're actually using it. This was a study of 11 patients um, who were asked to use their benzoyl peroxide. When they come back, came back, of course, everybody said, oh yeah, I used it every day. Well, not. As you can see here, only patient six, it looks like, was actually adherent to therapy and everyone else was not. So they don't buy it and they don't use it. So just keep that in the back of your mind um, when you're uh, combining it with, uh, with uh, clindamycin. So let's take a look at the topical antibiotics that we have for use. We have clindamycin, which is generally well-tolerated. We have minocycline, which has very rare 
subcutaneous side effects. We have erythromycin, which is shown to have rampant antibiotic resistance, and we acne people do not use it at all for our treatment of acne. And then we have benzoyl peroxide along with the clindamycin, as we mentioned before, which can bleach fabric, but has very little in the way of irritation. Over on the right, you see the FDA approval uh, down to the age of 12, with the exception of minocycline, which is new and was FDA approved down to the age of nine. We also have topical sebum inhibitor called clascoderone, 1% cream. This came out only last year. It's applied twice a day to the entire affected area, the same thing, that little pea-sized amount. It's an androgen uh, receptor inhibitor. It binds to the androgen receptor and makes it so that DHT cannot bind to the receptor and cannot end up creating an increase in sebum and an increase in the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. So this reduces sebum and is also anti-inflammatory in nature. It's generally very well tolerated. We don't usually use it as monotherapy. Um, we generally use it along with a topical retinoid, for example, or my, perfect, my favorite combination is a retinoid plus benzoyl peroxide. In a maximal use study using six times the normal amount, a very low number of patients had an asymptomatic, mild HPA axis suppression. Now you're thinking to yourself, why on earth would that happen? if clascoderone is an androgen receptor inhibitor. Well, in the skin, it's converted into cortexalone and cortexalone is, one, is in the pathway of cortisol. Cortexalone itself is a very, very weak uh, glucocorticoid. It's also a non-androgen. So it, within the epidermis, clascoderone is converted into cortexalone it's no longer an androgen, so it allows it to be safe for use in men. And this is our only sebum inhibitor that we have other than isotretinoin, which can be used in a man. However, it is converted into a very, very mild glucocorticoid. It was such, the study was uh, showed so little that the FDA actually approved the product without forcing HPA axis suppression to be evaluated during the phase three trial. But they did, however, uh, suggests that it be FDA approved only down to the age of 12. As a pure anti-inflammatory agents with no other activities in acne, we have topical dapsone as 5% twice a day or 7.5% once a day. It's generally well tolerated. It's FDA approved down to the age of nine. And the G6PD deficiency that's written about here, yeah, it happened, but it happened in two case reports since the medication was released back in 2005. So it's something that I'm certainly not concerned with. The oxidation of dapsone may occur if it's co-applied with benzoyl peroxide. So the patients will complain about this, so you need to know, but it has no medical ramifications whatsoever. If you take a big glob of dapsone and a big glob of benzoyl peroxide and put them both on at the same time, the benzoyl peroxide will oxidize the axone, turning it a yellow color, and then the skin will look yellow. So it's not the, it's not the skin itself that has turned yellow. It's the medication sitting on the skin and all it has to do, all you have to do is rinse it off. But it's something that usually is worth mentioning to your patient, especially if they're using it along with benzoyl peroxide. 
We also have azelaic acid, which is a BID drug. It has many mechanisms of action, as you can see here, although it doesn't do any of them particularly well. And it comes in a cream, a gel, and a foam. Um, it has been reported, especially with the gel, to cause burning and stinging with initial application up to 25% of patients call, uh, dis, uh, complaining of a little bit of burning and stinging. But it also may reduce hyperpigmentation by virtue of being an anti-tyrosinase medication. So in your patients who have both acne and hyperpigmentation, this may be a good choice. We also have topical combination therapy. And we mentioned before that that's the most important thing for us to do, for we to be combining as many of those four pathogenic factors as possible to increase efficacy of our topical care. We also, of course, want to minimize antibiotic resistance with the use of benzoyl peroxide anytime you're using a topical or an oral antibiotic. And the fixed combination agents is usually best in terms of compliance, but multiple agents also are effective. Uh, to combine it in such a way that you are either uh, hitting two pathogenic factors, especially hard, like benzoyl peroxide and clindamycin, or hitting the bacteria with benzoyl peroxide and the follicular hyperkeratinization with a retinoid. With our fixed combinations, you see an improved compliance thanks to uh, fewer applications. And frankly, we tell our patients to co-apply medications all the time, put one on them, put the other on top of it. But we have no data that that doesn't cause uh, some kind of a decrease in efficacy or an increase in tolerability issues. So when you tell patients to co-apply medications, you're really not sure of what the outcome may be. Here we're looking at the fixed combinations that are available for our use. We have combination of adapalene and benzoyl peroxide referred to as epiduo or epiduo forte, which is the higher concentration of adapalene at 0.3%. We have benzoyl peroxide with clindamycin, which goes by many names, and the one you choose determines whether it can be used once or twice a day. I personally use all of these named products just once a day. There are varying combinations, as you see here. Clindamycin with tretinoin is a product that I generally do not use because you already know that I think that clindamycin should be combined with benzoyl peroxide, but that does exist. And we have a combination that's brand new of tretinoin and benzoyl peroxide called Twinio, which is a once a day cream. Um, as you can see over on the right, Epiduo and Twinio are FDA approved down to the age of nine, whereas the other products, including Epiduo Forte, are approved down to the age of 12. 